Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce cost and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash strange. netsuite.com slash strange. netsuite.com slash strange. I'm Laura Norton, and this is One Strange Thing, the show where we search the nation's news archives for stories that can't quite be explained. Because you, dear listeners, are discerning consumers of the unusual, and dare we say, the strange, we assume you have at least a working knowledge of the creatures who populate the spookier corners of the human mind. And we're not even talking about cryptids this time. Think even stronger, nightmare fuel. You know the things that go bump and slither and scritch-scratch in the night, the werewolves and the zombies and the ghouls, and the vampires. Americans have long had an interest in the nocturnal and the fanged, although we must point out vampire sightings have never caught on the way UFOs have, nor have they come close to touching the popularity of Bigfoot in this country. Maybe, to be fair, we've been distracted by all those clowns. Who can say? But there have been a few notable exceptions to this rule, and one of those is a story from the unlikely and very cheesy state of Wisconsin. That is a compliment. If you're educated enough in tales of the weird, you might even have heard of this one before. The Mineral Point Vampire Sighting of 1981. As we dug into this tale, we found quite a few oddities, not all of which concern the paranormal event itself. So, not a moment to waste. Let's sharpen our teeth and get to it. Mineral Point is a town in Iowa County, Wisconsin, that's held steady at a population of less than 3,000 for decades. Not exactly a bustling metropolis, but a metropolis was never the intention. Mineral Point was established for, well, minerals, lead mining mostly. According to Mineral Point, a history, the area was popular with Cornish immigrants who were familiar with the lead trade across the Atlantic. And, conveniently, they already had a town named Mineral Point back in the UK, so they didn't have to bother learning a new name. Good news all around. 
Now the minerals ran out and the mining business eventually dried up. But Mineral Point has become quite a cozy tourist attraction with historic Cornish architecture and what looks like a very cool museum. But the town also has another draw, a story that attracted first local and then a bit of national attention. It was late in the evening on March 30th, 1981, and a local police officer, John Pepper, was on what the Madison Capital Times described as a routine patrol. His route took him right past the Graceland Cemetery. Unlike a classic horror movie graveyard, Graceland is fairly close to the major thoroughfares, well-maintained, and laid out in such a way that there aren't any places where overgrown thickets of dark woods can spring up and menace passersby. That said, the cemetery was established in 1860, thanks Google Earth, and there are many historic graves and mausoleums. Still, on the whole, we're talking about a setting that would not be in the top 10 sites for vampire tourism. Anyway, on the night of March 30th, Officer John Pepper was driving down Fair Street and, wouldn't you know it, there was indeed someone in Graceland Cemetery after hours. And we all know that, at a certain point in the evening, there are only two reasons to be in a cemetery. Either you are the undead, being forced to stumble around this mortal coil for all eternity, seeking tasty brains, or you are a teenage goth. We assume that Mineral Point was in short supply, at least in the former category, although small towns do have a habit of producing the latter. It's a little unclear, but based on several descriptions, the figure Officer Pepper had spotted seemed to be lurking, crouching perhaps, behind a tombstone or monument. Obviously, it was not hiding very well because Officer Pepper saw the person and decided to confront them. Now, per the Wisconsin State Journal, the cemetery had been vandalized before, which was one reason it was on the patrol route in the first place, and that was Officer Pepper's initial concern. Or it was until he got a good look at what stood in the graveyard. Then things got weird. Per the Kenosha News, as Pepper entered Graceland Cemetery, he was confronted by, quote, a strange-looking person with a very white face. Apparently, the figure, quote, looked just like the fictional vampire, Count Dracula. Officer Pepper estimated the person, who was described as male, as somewhere, quote, in his late teens to early 20s. We assume he meant in human years. Per the Associated Press, the Dracula-like figure was wearing what seemed to be a cape and was very tall, somewhere around six foot five. According to the Boscobel Dial, John Pepper reported that, I got within 15 feet and called out to him, but he didn't answer. He just stood there and stared. Officer Pepper's supervisor, Lieutenant Bill Trott, told the Madison Capital Times that, quote, Pepper walked up to the guy and asked him what he was doing, which we'd like to note is a very reasonable question. But the stranger's response wasn't to utter an answer. Instead, with what we imagine must have included a dramatic swirl of his cape, he broke into a full-fledged run. 
Officer Pepper pursued the stranger for about an eighth of a mile, but according to the Kenosha News, his chase was foiled when he lost his law enforcement issue radio and had to stop to retrieve it. In that time, the unknown graveyard lurker made his escape. As reported by the Madison Capital Times, the strange figure leapt over a barbed wire fence that was estimated to be four feet tall, apparently with no issue at all. Per the Times, the cape figure disappeared, quote, into a pasture hosting several Angus bulls. Apparently, Officer Pepper was unwilling to follow, but he did get his hands on his radio, and he called in the event. And local journalists soon caught wind and wanted to talk about all things supernatural. We aren't sure whether Officer Pepper himself officially labeled this stranger an actual vampire on sight, or whether the media decided on that title. But from this point on, the Mineral Point Vampire was born. After the chase, Officer Pepper seemed a little worse for wear, physically and emotionally. As he explained to the Boscobel Dial, I've never seen anyone that tall before in Mineral Point. I couldn't match his stride and I'm 6'2". It's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. And Pepper later told the Kenosha News that another nearby department had apparently reported a similar incident, but didn't provide any further details. The graveyard was searched, and there were no signs of disturbance, and no signs of vampirism, whatever that means. We imagine that it might include things like shattered crucifixes, empty graves, ripped bodices, pools of blood, or maybe back guano. But we're just spitballing here. Have you ever wondered what it feels like to be attacked by an alligator? Or what goes through one's mind as they're stranded in a snowstorm? What Was That Like is the podcast for you. Real people come on every episode to explain the unbelievable situations they've been through. Guests share how they really felt during their most surreal experiences. They tell us what they did the morning before an earthquake, how it feels to win The Price is Right, and all sorts of details that you'd never learn anywhere else. If you're interested in hearing disturbing and inspiring first-hand stories, What Was That Like is the podcast you've been looking for. Every story is thoroughly researched and fact-checked, so you know that even the most unrealistic are someone's reality. Listen to What Was That Like wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Richard Serrett. Join me on Strange Planet for in-depth conversations with the world's top paranormal investigators, alien abductees, Bigfoot trackers, monster hunters, time travelers, alternative archaeologists, remote viewers, and more. As I was on the way to Area 51, I was stopping on the side of the road and just taking measurements, and I found this one spot where time slowed down by a fraction of a second. It's not supposed to do that. From the two big categories, animal mutilations and human abductions, you have to conclude that genetic material is being harvested. Well, I reached for a rifle and uh, I, I turned and looked and it was, it was already moving away and it was descending the bluff. I, there's no way any human could have went down it. It was probably a 75 degree angle straight down almost. On Richard Serrett's Strange Planet, we're redefining reality. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Do not go any further. 
turn around, go home. Now, it may be a stretch to call this a vampire sighting and that no actual vampirism was witnessed per se, but there certainly was a run on Draculas in the following weeks. And local police were concerned about whoever had been in the cemetery. Pepper's superior Lieutenant Trott's concern wasn't the paranormal, but rather two other issues. First, that the mysterious figure Pepper pursued might have been, quote, mentally ill. And second, the fact that others in town had become so enamored with the story that they'd begun dressing up like vampires and springing out at people too. It was apparently causing a bit of a ruckus. Lieutenant Bill Trott told the Madison Capital Times about Pepper's strange encounter. If it was an April Fool's joke, it started well before April 1st, and it caught on with other people. I've tried to ignore all of them because all they want is a little attention. I've got enough other things going on that I don't need to go around chasing vampires. But if it's somebody with a problem, I'd like to catch him before he plays out the fantasy. John Pepper, though, he seemed less sure, or so his boss, Bill Trott, seemed to think. He told the Wisconsin State Journal, I don't know if there was anything out there last night. I can't get anyone to go back to the cemetery at night. I even offered to pay John overtime to stake out the place for his vampire, but he wouldn't bite. According to the Wisconsin State Journal, Lieutenant Trott explained, Last night, we had a half dozen vampires on the loose in town. We received several phone calls and were stopped by people on the street reporting encounters with white-faced, creepy-looking people jumping out of the shadows at them. The State Journal noted that, despite the department's best efforts, none of the vampires had been arrested. Now, this whole vampire chase story received a bit more attention than Officer John Pepper was probably expecting. According to the book, The Wisconsin Guide to Haunted Locations, Officer Pepper actually decided to move away from Mineral Point soon after the news went national. According to the authors, he wasn't fond of the media scrutiny. They also bring up a very enticing piece of information not reported on in the national press. According to local rumor, Officer John Pepper was known as something of a joker himself. Authors Chad Lewis and Terry Fisk tried to track down Pepper for an interview, but failing that, they spoke with some Mineral Point locals who had very interesting information to share. Quote, They told the story that John and a friend would often dress up as apes and run around the town. The implication in that story, we think, is that John Pepper might have created the vampire story all on his own. But we have to wonder... Wouldn't he have added a little more pizzazz to the whole affair, given the chance? After all, if you're going to create a vampire, do you want to have him jumping over a fence and hiding behind a bull after you drop your radio? Or do you want some real Bella Lugosi action? We wonder. We also question his refusal to return to the cemetery. If Pepper, the town comedian, liked attention, that would have been a good time to show off again. Would he move away at the height of his greatest prank of all time? 
Of course, ultimately, we can't really know. And this story might have faded into local obscurity. Except that, in the 2000s, it happened again. Thrusting a fairly unknown creature into the indexable paranormal world of the internet. Now this is the moment in the Mineral Point vampire tale that most sources, online ones anyway, mention not one, but two other appearances by the alleged pale and capy visitor. They claim that in 2004 and in 2008, the creature appeared again. The first time, to hang around outside an apartment complex and menace people. The creature was said to be sitting in a tree and then throwing things and then attacking residents. Not very vampiric behaviors, but okay. The details on this one are pretty vague, to be honest. There is one feature, though, that is made note of. In this escape, it's sometimes said that the alleged Mineral Point vampire leapt over a 10-foot wall. Now, that's much more impressive than its original 4-foot jump, which led some bloggers and even Reddit posters to speculate that, instead of a vampire, the residents of Wisconsin might be dealing with the classic paranormal figure-slash-possible cryptid Spring Hill Jack, perhaps on a time-traveling vacation from jolly old England. Now, if you're unfamiliar with that screaming Victorian specimen, well, we have a premium episode on the subject, and there is plenty to Google. All very fascinating, but not a clear tie to the cemetery or John Pepper. Lots of very good jumping, though. Unfortunately, we could not verify anything about this apartment vampire story. Although dates were given, none of the accessible Wisconsin papers that covered the original Mineral Point vampire story reported on this alleged attack. Now, it's always possible that there's a paper out there that hasn't been indexed, but it is odd considering that the first incident was covered so well. And if researching 2004 was difficult, the 2008 sighting is a bit of a quagmire. The following explanation is rehashed in half a dozen places or so, each linking to another blog or message board that includes some version of what is purported to be an authentic item from a Wisconsin newswire. We're going to summarize it here because, well, the story gets pretty involved. And it's a tricky one, too. When you first encounter the story, it really does read like an excerpt from a paper, on first glance at least. However, when you dig just a little deeper, there are problems. This tale, an apparent attack on two young people at Ludden Lake, appears in different versions across the web. Some have more detail than others, but all tell the tale of a couple who set out to fish and encountered a creeping vampire under the jetty. Some versions include the first and last names and ages of the young couple who barely escaped with their lives. There are even direct quotes from them. And to top it all off, there's a reference to a Wisconsin Newswire source for the story. A Ranker article cites this as one of the known sightings of the Mineral Point vampire, one that, in fact, backs up the experiences of Officer John Pepper. And that would be fascinating. Except for one 
strange thing. We cannot find any evidence that this story or the people involved ever existed. Now, we would be happy to be proven wrong, so if you're either of these people and have successfully wiped yourself from the public record, drop us a note. But we spent some time with the U.S. Census, birth records, phone directories, maps, four different news archives, and the wire service. And imagine our surprise. Not only was there an absolute lack of verified news regarding vampires attacking teenagers on jetties in Wisconsin, there were no people in the area with names matching those listed in the story. For privacy reasons, we won't list them here, but we check them, and variations, and birth years, for way longer than we should have. We could have spent that time watching 90 Day Fiancé. Our best guess, barring the existence of some arcane article out there somewhere that we could not unearth, is that some kind of creepypasta floated up into the story of the Mineral Point vampire and stuck. It is convenient to, well, flush the story out a little, you might say. And why do that in the first place? We can only guess that, well, writing stories is fun, and there was a convenient character available. It does seem odd that the Mineral Point vampire would go from grave lurking and running away to apartment attacks and lake menacing, but, you know, evolve or die. Anyway, we hear that's Madonna's motto. But here's the odd thing. If the creative lovers of the spooky Yuki had done a little more digging, they would have found a few more interesting items to work into the Mineral Point vampire's tale, ones that had actually occurred in town, or at least could be attributed to locals who actually existed. Now, there were a few that we found particularly interesting. For instance, Linda S. Godfrey, author of Hunting the American Werewolf, Beast Men in Wisconsin and Beyond, wrote that she once received some very strange correspondence from Mineral Point. Now, she'd touched on the Mineral Point vampire story on a blog post. This was back in 2004, and a local woman wrote to tell her of another alleged beast roaming the area. This time, it had been 1987, and a werewolf, seen by a crowd of people in broad daylight. According to Godfrey, the letter explained, A bunch of people saw a werewolf running as it was changing, and then it went into a building and fell and clutched a railing and changed back into a human in front of everybody. There were a bunch of people that talked about it back in the 80s. According to Godfrey, the woman listed two people who'd seen the event. When Godfrey tried to verify the story, she found that one witness had passed away and the other claimed not to remember a thing. Understandably, Godfrey remained unconvinced. Still, though, you have to admit, this is the most exciting creature story to come out of Mineral Point yet, no cape required. But ultimately... Godfrey was much more interested in something else she learned about the town. She writes that Mineral Point has a well-documented spirit light that was seen in 1986 by a number of residents, including the sheriff. 
And she notes there's an allegedly very haunted, quote, historic inn called the Walker House, site of a pioneer day hanging. Charming. Now, of course, we don't imagine this has any relation, directly, to the odd experience that Officer John Pepper had in 1981. But we have to say, whatever he saw in that graveyard, we do think that he was truly spooked. Each quote he gave the papers has an edge to it, a sense that he was still, well, making sense of what he saw, and that he ultimately couldn't. A strange figure in a cemetery doesn't seem all that odd until you're the one facing it down. Then maybe the decision to pack up all your things and leave town doesn't sound so crazy after all. Maybe, if you knew your town had a history of unexplainable menaces, a figure leaping effortlessly four feet into the air and disappearing into a field isn't quite so funny. After all, from your vantage point, it might look a little more like taking flight. We hope you'll join us next time for another real-life story from the fine print of America's local papers. From the lives of regular people, just like you and me, except for one strange thing. Oh, and strangers. One Strange Thing is an entirely independent production. To support the show and to hear more of the entirely true and enticingly peculiar, join us over on Patreon. There you'll get ad-free early releases of our regular episodes, full-length bonus episodes, and plenty of other fun content. All for $5 a month. We hope you'll check it out. There's a link in the show notes.